Ransomware attacks, in which hackers shut down computer systems and demand payment to undo the damage, are growing more brazen. So much so that this issue has caught the attention of world leaders. When I talked about the pipeline that ransomware hit in the United States, I looked at him and I said, well, how would you feel if ransomware took on the pipelines from your oil fields? He said it would matter. This is not about just our self-interest. It's about a mutual self-interest. That was President Biden speaking to Russian leader Vladimir Putin at their summit on June 16th, referring to the cyber attack against Colonial Pipeline, a company that moves gasoline along the East Coast and paid $4.4 million to restart its systems after a hack caused gasoline shortages. This month, JBS, a meat processing firm, paid $11 million after a ransomware attack forced it to stop slaughtering cows at 13 of its plants. The attacks have also hit local governments. In 2019, cyber criminals shut down Baltimore computers. The city refused to pay the ransom, but ended up shelling out $18 million to recover lost data and buttress its cyber defenses. Even so, a separate attack last November caused the city to temporarily close its public schools. Is the problem of ransomware going to continue to worsen, or will the United States get a handle on it? We'll look at the future of cybersecurity with my guest today, Representative Jim Langevin, a Rhode Island Democrat who sits on the House Homeland Security Committee's Cybersecurity Panel and two years ago co-chaired a congressional commission seeking collaboration between the public and private sectors in fighting the hackers. Welcome, Congressman Langevin. We appreciate you joining the show. Thank you. Great to be with you. Congressman, I read your piece in CNN, which you co-authored with the Republican Congressman uh, Michael McCall, and you argued that President Biden, at his meeting with Vladimir Putin, needed to get tough on this issue. Uh, the meetings occurred. What, what's your evaluation of, of what you've heard? I think President Biden uh, was spot on. I think he uh, he acted and and communicated a message uh, just the way uh, he wanted to get across to Vladimir Putin and to Russia that we're not going to stand for uh, cyber attacks or intrusions against critical infrastructure, uh, and we, we're not going to tolerate uh, Russia looking the other way when there are cyber criminals acting within their borders. So. Uh, I believe that the, from what everything I know and with the president's comments uh, after he met with, uh, with Vladimir Putin uh, was that he accomplished those goals. Now, is Russia the big problem here? And, and if so, how much of it is cyber criminals and how much of it is the Russian government? Well, obviously, the, the, the big four in terms of the, the challenges we have are Russia, China, uh, Iran, and North Korea. Uh, then on top of that, you have uh, cyber criminals and potentially also uh, cyber uh, terrorist organizations. So uh, that's the kind of the uh, some of the the uh, attack surface, if you're looking at, or the the, the problem areas that we have to confront. Uh, but it, it does get complicated when you're talking about cyber criminal organizations 
uh, or individuals that are acting with either the knowledge or the direction uh, of, uh, say, the Russian government. And that's harder to prove. We may never know exactly, but clearly if we have enough uh, information using all source intelligence that shows that uh, there are there are either individuals or uh, criminal organizations operating within Russia, uh, then we, we need to hold Russia accountable if they're going to look the other way and allow these, these cyber criminal organizations to act with impunity. That's unacceptable. President Biden, I believe, conveyed that message. So here in the U.S., we've had private companies hit. We've also had government hit at the local level and at the federal level. Why are we so vulnerable? Well, we are the country that makes the most use of the internet. And uh, the internet was never uh, built with security in mind. We're, we've been constantly trying to layer security on top of this open and free architecture. And, uh, and it's a challenge. It really, is, it really is difficult. And the other problem is that compounds this is that, um, that we, although we have uh, strong capabilities for defending uh, .mil and .gov, you have the U.S. Cyber Command uh, and NSA working to protect uh, the Pentagon and our military uh, networks, uh, and you have CISA at the Department of Homeland Security, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, protecting the .gov network. You don't have a government entity with all that firepower, so to speak, uh, and expertise defending a private sector critical infrastructure. That's in the hands of private owners and operators. And uh, and some entities take cybersecurity more seriously than others. Uh, but uh, when you have a determined adversary, like you've seen with solar winds, and clearly we believe that was uh, that was Russia. Uh, that uh, that is um, uh, that's a it's a real challenge to defend our. Uh, private networks. Yeah, when private companies are getting hit, who's responsible? Are the are the companies negligent, or can they reasonably say criminals are after us? That's the government's job. It, it can be a little bit of both. Uh, as I said, some companies are taking cybersecurity more seriously than others, um, and and if if a company isn't doing everything possible to defend their their networks, in some cases they might be uh, negligent. Uh, but there could be those companies that are acting with all due diligence and they've got you know the most robust cyber tools but if you've got a determined enemy or adversary it's a it's a lot of um it's a it's a lot of attack surface to uh, to defend so uh, at the at the very least i would argue that every company needs to take cybersecurity much more seriously i would start by saying uh, apply your security patches uh constantly and and robustly that's like the cybersecurity researchers basically are identifying doors and windows in your house that are wide open and inviting criminals in if you don't close them and lock them and, and cut those avenues off. So update your security patches, back up your systems, making sure that you have strong backups. So if you get hit with ransomware, potentially you could reconstitute your network without having to uh, pay the, uh, the ransom. Uh, make sure you have uh, strong uh, passwords and you have multi-factor authentication turned on, that you're educating your employees about practicing good cyber hygiene. And it's not just a one and done. It's going to be a constant reminder so that employees don't inadvertently click on an attachment or go to a website that that inadvertently downloads malware onto your onto your system. So, and, you know, assume that we have to assume zero trust within a network that the uh, the, the bad guys might find a way in and we have to have strong uh, mechanisms for detecting anomalous behavior as early as possible 
if a company can afford to have a, a cybersecurity company that specializes in cybersecurity, especially a big company, they should they should have those services. Uh, and and uh, there's a number of other things that we could do, but those are the basics that I would I would argue. Every time one of these companies pays the ransom, it incentivizes further attacks and enriches the the criminals or whoever is responsible. So doesn't that ca- just call out for a government response or a or a coordinated response by industry? Yeah, you're right that paying the ransom does potentially, very likely, invite more ransomware attacks because if there's money to be had, you can be sure criminals are going to be going after it. The problem is that sometimes businesses have to make the decision, is it cheaper to pay the ransom and get your network, your data back, or is it, you know, you not pay it and you you... Uh, you know, do you have to just start from scratch and reconstitute your networks, which would take time and uh, and significant resources? So I don't know what the answer is. I think we have to have that debate in Congress about whether or not to make paying ransomware illegal. Uh, but right now, it's a it's a real tough question to to ask, and I don't I don't have a ready answer for it. Now, in the Colonial Pipeline case, the FBI said that it had been able to recover about half of the money that had been paid, the ransom that had been paid in yeah. Bitcoin. So that, what did you make of that? I mean, it indicates that there is government assistance going to these companies that are being victimized. Right. And that's why one of the first things that a company should do is reach out to CISA, reach out to the FBI, uh, and invite the government in to work with you to try to track down the bad guys, hopefully uh, get help the, to get control of your networks again, and, and hopefully... Uh, uh, if we can work together, perhaps you know, not have to pay the uh, the ransom, or if it, the ransom is paid, uh, like what happened with the FBI in this case, they were able to uh, uh, get back some of that uh, that that ransomware. But um, you know, it is a it is a real it is a real challenge. But yeah, I, I would say that you know, one of the first calls should be to CISA uh, and 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 work with the government entities and the resources that they bring to bear uh, to help. Um, uh, do the forensics, find out what happened, and hopefully get control of the networks. Now, CISA, that's the lead agency in the in the executive branch on this. Within DHS, that's right. Tell me about um, how the administration is handling cybersecurity and whether whether it's on the right course, whether there's more that needs to be done. Yeah, I, I give uh, high marks to the Biden administration for the work that they're doing uh, on cybersecurity. They are clearly taking it much more seriously than the previous administration. You know, one of my frustrations was across uh, multiple administrations, Democratic, Republican, we had, you know, forward momentum on cybersecurity, but the Trump administration eliminated the cybersecurity coordinator position, and they uh, eliminated the ambassador rank position on cybersecurity at the State Department under, under President Trump. Under Biden, the Biden administration, uh, they're taking it much more seriously. They've created uh, the uh, Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber, uh, that's Ann Neuberger. Uh, they have a um, now uh, the, the work that we did last the last Congress uh, to create the, the the first ever Senate confirmed National Cyber Director. President Biden has nominated Chris Inglis, uh, one of my fellow commissioners on the Cyberspace Solarium Commission. Uh, to be the first director. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting Chris confirmed. And then also we're working on the Cyber Diplomacy Act uh, that I'm a, a lead sponsor of, along with Mike McCall and uh, Greg Meeks, uh, to create an ambassador rank position uh, 
at the State Department for Cyber, as well as a bureau underneath that, uh, that position, so that we're leading on the international front, uh, so that uh, we're working with our partners and allies around the world uh, to strengthen cybersecurity and bring some sense of order and, and enforcement of norms uh, on, in cyberspace so that uh, those who violate those norms will be held accountable as the president conveyed to President Putin. You mentioned that Solarium Commission that you co-chaired a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a public-private sector initiative. What came out of that? Is there Are there recommendations from the commission that need to be implemented? So the Cyberspace Solarium Commission was created a, a couple of years back in the National Defense Authorization Act. And we were charged with uh, creating a, a cybersecurity strategy, strategy for the country to better protect uh, the country against cyber attacks of significant consequence. Uh, we met for approximately a year, and about a year and a half ago, we issued our final report, uh, uh, 80 recommendations, and we turned those 80 recommendations into approximately 55 legislative proposals. And of those 55, we were able to get 27 of the uh, of those bills uh, added as amend- an amendment to the Na- to the National Defense Authorization Act last year. For the current for the current uh, fiscal year right now, um, to better protect us in cyberspace. So again, one of those was to create a a Senate confirmed national cyber director. Uh, that's going to be the quarterback basically for cyber defense for the country and the prime liaison between government and private sector. Uh, also gave uh, CISA that cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency at DHS uh, broader uh, threat hunting authorities. Previously, uh, on government networks, previously, CISA had to be invited into a government uh, network, department or agency to do threat hunting. Uh, and what happened was nobody would do it. Basically, agencies didn't want to invite CISA in because they didn't want to look bad. So kind of stuff their head in the sand and look the other way. Now CISA can actually do threat hunting and follow the the uh, the data and the threats where, where they believe they exist. Um, and that also created uh, what's called this joint cyber planning office within CISA so that we can war game these things out, working with government and private sector to plan out you know, where we think the bad guys are going to hit us and what our response needs to be. At his meeting with Putin, President Biden alluded to the possibility that the U.S. would go on the offensive on um, cybersecurity, that we would attack those who are attacking us and sort of uh, make it very painful for them. Is that part of the solution here? Uh, yeah, to impose costs, that's certainly one of our um, the, the findings of the, the Cyberspace Solarium Commission that we want to uh, shape behavior. So starting with that, and that means working with our international partners to create uh, international norms, rules of the road, if you will, in cyberspace. Uh, and then uh, build in resilience. So we, we want to protect ourselves better so that we, we limit damage if the bad guys do get in. But then, uh, if need be, impose costs. Now, the, the president mentioned using cyber uh, a means to respond. But I, I would say it's even broader than that. Uh, we can use cyber tools to respond to those that are attacking us, but we can also use all assets of national power uh, to respond at a time and place of our choosing. Maybe it's cyber, maybe it's sanctions, maybe it's law enforcement actions, uh, or if it really crosses a, a red line and, and, and loss of life is involved, we could respond with kinetic action. But um, you know, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but we should make it clear that we have broad powers that that we can use at a time and place of our choosing to impose costs on our enemies and adversaries if they're going to violate those norms in cyberspace and hold us at risk. One would think if there is a country that's good at hacking, it would be us. Uh, have we 
have we neglected that area in the past or is it some, has it been part of our toolkit? Well, I'm just going to say we have broad capabilities. Um, you know, any country that can do something to us, we could probably do something tenfold worse to them. Uh, I'll put it that way. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in our, our abilities, but it's, again, it doesn't necessarily mean we have to respond cyber on cyber. Uh, it, it could, again, very well be any other number of tools, uh, sanctions or law enforcement actions and indictments that uh, could hold uh, bad actors at risk. And, and by the way, we have friends. That's one thing that Russia doesn't have uh, in the international space, so to speak. Uh, you know, we can act in concert with our partners and allies and our response can be much more powerful. Uh, and, and if we can't uh, hit Putin or, or Russia directly in terms of holding them accountable, we can get to the people around Putin and the companies that are around Putin uh, that make it, uh, make it very painful uh, for bad actors to, uh, to operate and, uh, or, or the people around uh, Vladimir Putin operate with, with impunity that they, we can... We can put the squeeze on if we if we need to. Nonetheless, in your CNN piece, you said that this could get a lot worse. That the sort of infrastructure that could be hit in the United States could be far more critical than what has been hit. Things like our water systems, things like our electrical grid during the depth of winter. Um, what's your forecast? I mean, is this going to get worse? It it, it very well could get worse, and that's uh, what I am concerned about. That's why I think which is so important. Uh, that President Biden uh, met with President Putin and really laid down the law, if you will, really made it very crystal clear that we don't like the direction that uh, these cyber attacks are heading. And uh, we're, we're drawing a line, we're, we're, we're making it clear that we are not going to tolerate this any further, uh, that we will respond, that either Russia uh, is going to hold these bad actors accountable and really crack down on the cyber criminals operating within its borders, uh, or we're going to handle it. And uh, what we don't want to see is this escalate so that a, a more sensitive area of critical infrastructure is hit at, at a more sensitive time, say a natural gas pipeline in the dead of winter uh, that could cause not only great damage to our economy, but could lead to loss of life. So we want to nip this in the bud now. Uh, I believe the Biden administration is on it and we're going to do everything possible to make sure that we are more secure going forward. But this is a tough challenge. It is by no means uh, we out of the woods. And I would never say that we are ever going to be 100% cyber secure. There's no such thing. There is no silver bullet. Uh, what we can do, though, is buy down our risk to something is much more manageable, closing that aperture of vulnerability, if you would, uh, to something that's much more manageable than what it is today. Uh, and, and again, you know, hold the bad actors accountable if they, if they continue to hold us at risk. Congressman, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Sean. Great to be with you. That's all for this episode of CQ Future. The producers of this show were Joanne Levine and Evan Campbell. I'm Sean Zeller. You can find all our podcasts at rollcall.com or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Thank you.